show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. Hey, this is Sabrina Monarch of Monarch Astrology and Magic of the Spheres podcast, bringing you a forecast on the full moon in Taurus lunar eclipse. It's happening on October 28th, 2023. And the theme of what I'm going to be sharing with you is some deeper reflections on the good life um, in the context of grief and praise. So if you're new to my channel, please subscribe. And if you're watching this, like this video, leave a comment at some point just to say hello or let me know what resonates with you. So the full moon lunar eclipse is in Taurus, though the... Um, Lunar nodes are still in Libra and Aries. We just have an early Taurus-Scorpio axis full moon happening. We'll have the moon in five degrees of Taurus at the midpoint between the north node and 24 degrees of Aries and then Jupiter retrograde in 11 degrees of Taurus. So the amplification of war, of humanitarian crisis, the simultaneous acts of war and calls for peace, the simultaneous strategies of war and strategies of politics are all certainly expressions of the lunar nodes in Aries and Libra um, during eclipse season. My approach with astrological delineation in general is to root it in the individual and the psychological. I really work on like a humanistic kind of personal level. But the last few weeks, I've found it nearly impossible to think about these transits outside of the context um, of these world events. So it's with humility that I offer these thoughts for you. I'll just name two that we've, you know, right now as I record this, we've been in a few um, south node activations, right? We've had the sun and Mercury and Libra conjunct the south node and Libra. South node transits tend to bring up exhaustion. There's kind of a draining. There's a purging. Um, it's showing us something that's being released. So you may be feeling that or you may have been feeling that. So while there's direct actions that people can take in response to global tragedies and crises, um, things like donations, demonstrations, calls to politicians, things of this nature, also people who are more directly linked with these types of projects. Um, I notice that there's a great amount of powerlessness that people feel in the face of the state of humanity and in the abundance of suffering on the planet, right? And also with eclipse season, this really big emphasis on events that feel faded or out of our control. And so that can be happening in our personal life at varying levels, too, in terms of what our personal story is at the moment and how much we're dealing with things that feel like um, out of control or out of our control or power. So part of eclipse season and working with that is to feel you know, the pulse of what's true, what's moving through your life, what is wanting to move through your life, as opposed to your 
um, kind of egoic capacities to try to control that pulse. So there's this link between grief and praise, right? Consider Martine Prechtel's book, The Smell of Rain on Dust, Grief and Praise. Um, it's a great read. But there's this link in that when we're present to the awareness of the fragility of life, we can simultaneously be present to the gratitude for what we've been given, right? So I am going to be connecting this to the full moon in Taurus, so bear with me. But I'm reminded when I think about this of experiences of being on plant medicine um, and being shown for hours on end, really without relief um, or escape. And so you may relate to this if you've had experiences with plant medicine, but I think there's different moments in life where we're tripping, so to say, you know, when we're caught up in a emotional wave that we can't really get out of. So you can also use that as context, right? But kind of being shown for hours on end without escape, some kind of pattern or storyline or theme in my life, right? And my place in it, um, and these themes that have maybe caused suffering for myself and others and really seeing that. And then to come out on the other end, once the, um, that moment has worn off, right? The trip has uh, shifted tones um, or one has come to. And in that kind of being on my knees, <clears throat> like feeling that all I can really do is give thanks for the life that I've been given to praise the relations and the love that is in my life and to turn toward that love, right? To honor the preciousness of life and to adjust my orientations and actions to match that. So similarly, um, when we're being shown tragedy, whether it's connected super directly to our own life, um, or it's a collective tragedy that is deeply touching us. Um, I think it also points us to the question of how do we value life, right? And if we think about Aries, the North Node is having, you know, it does have connections to war, but it's also about what we're willing to fight for or what we're willing to direct our life force energy toward. And so there is part of the Aries-Libra axis that can tap into the nobility of protecting and serving life, which does not need to look like war. Um, in many manifestations in the human collective, it has and does. Um, but if you think about it at a personal level, when you realize that something really matters, like how it brings you to attention, how it brings you to devotion, how it brings you to care um, and compassion even, Discovering what our path is to walk in this life, to steward our incarnation, right? To honor the vessel that we are in um, and also to steward all of our interconnected embedded relationships that tie into the web of all things. This is of major spiritual import. It's essentially what we're doing here. And we're all prone to forms of ignorance that keep us out of the frequency of care, reverence, love, and part of spiritual life is remembering again and again um, this connection that we have to love and to the value of life and applying and remembering that to, or remembering it and applying it to how we live. So I believe this ties into the full moon in Taurus 
this lunar eclipse where we have the moon and Jupiter together in Taurus, which could relate to, you know, when I think about that combination of the moon and Jupiter together in Taurus, I think about the high dream of the good life, right? This life of possibility, prosperity, connection, nourishment, friendship, love, right? Any other thing that, um, any other good thing you can imagine, right? Like this vision, this holistic vision we have for our life to be enjoyable, pleasurable, meaningful, um, and Venusian, right? Taurus is Venus ruled. The moon in Taurus is receptive to pleasure and may relate to the aspect of an individual where we feel like worthy and deserving of love and connection and good things. Um, definitely, you know, that can be, if you think about your relationship to Venus and to Taurus and to reception, part of that spiritual and personal development work is about um, opening to this like self-love where you can receive the good, where you don't feel shame, you don't feel contraction, you don't feel undeserving. And then Jupiter and Taurus is also pointing to similar things and similar themes as this great benefic planet in Taurus in this sign relating to the earth, to body, to resources, and to sensuality. The moon and Jupiter together also raises a lot of emotions, right? So depending on what's happening in your life, you may be in these kind of full, full-bodied, like full-hearted sensations of appreciation and depth and connection where you are feeling connected to your good life, right? You might also be pining or longing or hungering, right? Maybe even having some nostalgia come up for other seasons in life where you felt more connected, um, where, you know, things felt more pleasurable or abundant, right? So there's, there's an emotional tone right now of just wanting things to be good, just wanting to enjoy, right? And so whether that is very abundant and already available to you, or you're discovering how it's available to you, um, or wherever you're relating to this kind of archetypal theme of just the goodness in life. Um, and then the moon and Jupiter are conjunct the north node in Aries. The latter, the north node in Aries, which can represent this abundance of archetypal energy around fighting for things, fighting feeling necessary in a real way, like if you feel under attack or you are under attack, um, or fighting being a trauma response or a mental idea of how to survive or get by. Right? The North Node in Aries is really responding to things from this perspective of you know, potential competition, uh, self-defense, fighting. Right, So think about that paired with the Moon, Jupiter, and Taurus, like the fight for the good life, the fight for nice things, the fight for basic things. And the North Node in Aries can represent a somewhat endless pursuit, right? The North Node is represented by, you know, in the mythology of the lunar nodes, the North Node is the head of the dragon and the South Node is the tail and the body has been severed in half. So the North Node eats and eats and eats but doesn't feel full, right? So the North Node represents an energy that's like incoming and incoming and incoming and it's part of our relationship to the North Node to digest or to kind of connect with that sense of, um, 
what am I imbibing? What am I taking in? How do I process and digest that and acknowledge it? Um, and knowing that just the North Node as an energetic, also because it is so voracious for more, it creates um, kind of a trajectory or a timeline. Like the North Node in your natal chart speaks to something that, you know, from an evolutionary perspective is really important for you to develop. Like there is something about it that is um, the hunger or the appetite of it is guiding you towards something. By the way, I am, my evolutionary astrology program is in its 13th run. We start October 30th and applications are open and um, through October 25th. And that's for Diviner, my new year-long program that houses the evolutionary astrology intensive that I teach. I'll speak a little bit more about it at the end, but the link to apply and learn more about it is in the notes. You want to learn more about evolutionary astrology and how to become astrologically literate in this tradition. Right, so if we have the North Node in Aries as a um, collective transit, and then this eclipse with the full moon in Taurus and Jupiter in Taurus are conjunct, or the moon is at the midpoint of the North Node in Aries and Jupiter in Taurus. Um, you want to take into account that North Node energy that can represent a somewhat endless pursuit of proving oneself or taking on difficult challenges in order to be victorious, right? Noticing if there's spaces where you are kind of in overdrive or pushing yourself and like you're really kind of in this like pumping energy out in a direction to get something that you want or that you value um, and noticing that. noticing it because it is pointing to a desire of you know this kind of holistic vision of what you want your life to be but we might think about our methods or our orientation for getting there because part of um you know aries and taurus first two signs of the zodiac they are very um very self centered, very self-aware, very in their own experience. And at times, you know, that's the charming part. There's gifts inside of that. That's like being able to be with oneself. But there's an opening beyond that that's also possible. And so what I mean here in some sense is that Aries is out in the world fighting to become something, right, that theoretically Aries already is. Um, and so there's this kind of um, principle where, you know, we pursue these external goals in some sense to awaken to who we are. And there's a process of making sure that those things are, are married properly, where the way that we're kind of efforting and moving through the world isn't at counter purposes to that inherent essence of who we are. Right? So sometimes we get really kind of caught up in the chase and the cycle of, of making things happen, right? And we need to remember who we are and how to act from that state of presence. And then Taurus is also about, you know, wanting to, to have, to have our basic needs met, to feel safe, to feel secure, to have shelter, to be physically touched and physically held, to be um, emotionally held, to um, 
you know, wear clothes that we like, to eat foods that we like, to feel um, held by the earth, to feel held by our physical experience. And similarly, when we are so hungry, taking, taking, consuming, consuming, but not feeling, then we always want more, right? We want more in places that we're numb because we think that if we have more, then we'll be able to feel more. And so part of Taurus is also working with receptivity. And when we deepen our receptivity, not only are we able to receive more, but a little bit goes a long way. So those are some of the things where just at a personal level, um, this upcoming lunation may be pointing us to, you know, there's nothing wrong with your appetite, but maybe at times when you're consumed by appetite and can't feel what you're taking in, um, there's space to kind of soften and readjust um, and connect with the resources that you do have. Now, to span it back to the collective themes, there's a great amount of grief surfacing that there are members of our human family who, whose opportunity for the good life or a dignified life has been cut short or denied greatly altogether. And again, while there are direct actions in moment of crisis, there are also the ways it penetrates our deeper sense of humanity or worldview and how we approach caring for life as a full-on way of being. So in a way, potentially outside of this current context and what I would just offer as a psychological horoscope, the lineup of the North Node in Aries, the Moon in Taurus, and Jupiter in Taurus suggests that there are places in our life that we're fighting or efforting for a place uh, or to a place of burnout to gain something that we find valuable instead of just aligning with the frequency of valuing life. It's a survival anxiety and survival pressure that keeps us in this wheel and place of separation and non-receptivity. It promotes a sense that goodness or the good things in life are outside of ourselves and they must be conquered with our vigorous efforts rather than it being something that is internally recognized and cultivated from within. These can be important places around this time to be quite honest with ourselves about what resources of all kinds that we actually have and where we're capable of being generous and in service and where it's also perhaps in service to conserve energy versus where it's authentic to share love outwardly. I like Taurus is very concerned with resources and what we have, energetic resources, time resources, emotional resources, etc. And we're moving toward, you know, we're in autumn here on the Northern Hemisphere and moving toward winter. So there is a kind of condensed down and in quality that happens during this time where we are going inward. The molecules um, are getting slower in the cold. And so there's a slowing down or a going within that ha like naturally happens seasonally. And yet, you know, part of Taurus the dynamic is how we relate to resource and where, um, where we cultivate it, where we kind of um, collect or hoard it versus how we circulate it. Um, 
And part of the, you know, I think like survival pressures are one of the deepest kind of roots of human conflict um, and shadow behaviors in people, whether it's at some egregious level or more of like a mundane kind of everyday level. And if we take the everyday, it's kind of like when you you get the perspective of all the ways that you're like really trying so hard and you're like hustling and you're like expending your energy like toward this kind of thing. And then when you back up and think about, well, what's the quality of that experience, right? Like what, where did I have time inside of that to enjoy myself and to share love? And that in times of personal or collective suffering, remembering the preciousness of life and the sense that we are spending energy. And so this deeper soul level inquiry of how do I want to cultivate the energy that is in my life? How do I want to move it? How do I want to share it? Um, What would be really truly valuable beyond where I'm capable beyond these survival pressures that keep me narrow and more into a holistic sense of what actually could be the garden of life. Like what would be the legacy or the community or the love, the family, the whatever it is that you are wanting to create and give your love to. Um, And that often, you know, to really be able to do that, there's this process of, finding the tools and resources to allow our nervous system to feel increasingly safe in the places that we are gripping um, and therefore unable to open. So I'm a Taurus moon native. Um, I am a fan of pleasure and joy for no reason. Um, I think it's quite powerful, actually, to just create uh, joy out of nothing. Um, it's great also to to respond to things that are joy-inducing and to give them that reflection and to like be in that tantric energy circuit with things in life. Um, but you can also approach it from like a creator consciousness space and create create love and spread it. Yeah. So. Um, I'm also, you know, an advocate of that kind of joy in the sense that it deepens our capacity um, to incarnate good into the experience of this life. Um, A lot of the boundaries and edges that people have around receiving or around pleasure or around, you know, reception in general is this feeling of shame and unworthiness that something is off limits, like I can't have that. Um, And so there is a expansion in letting ourselves have. Moon, Jupiter, and Taurus, right? Expansion in having. Um, But I would also say that the astrology of the moment relates to a lot of surfacing melancholy or deep painful material, right? Like we had an eclipse on the south node. So something was coming up from the past. And 
you know, just in, in the collective and what people are grieving and mourning right now, there's a lot of profound pain inside of that. Um, and from what I sense in my own experience and from talking with people is that there has been, you know, for many, a general sense of exhaustion or overwhelm or, you know, feeling quite challenged by eclipse season. So when we look at, you know, this full moon, the sun is going to be in Scorpio and Scorpio relates to the Plutonic, the underworld, you know, the deep kind of alchemy. Um, Scorpio is very intimate with our pain and with our deepest feelings, right? There's, there is this surfacing melancholy or pain. Um, and then we have this full moon and Taurus on Jupiter. So there's quite a depth in that axis of um, the fullness of life, maybe the optimism of things being possible, the appreciation of what we have, and also the um, deepest feelings of grief or disempowerment or pain on the Scorpio side of things. Um, Scorpio is, of course, not limited to only the hard emotions. It's very passionate sign in any direction but part of Scorpio is like this kind of emotional courage this kind of emotional non-flinching quality of like the capacity to be with um, pain also the capacity to defend oneself against it um, to have really strong defense mechanisms to avoid pain it's a little bit of a double edge there and a lot of that relates to our choice on how we relate to um, our inner material but um, I recently made some boundaries with myself to not dwell on some things that I personally have been dwelling on for a little over a year now. Um, and I certainly felt my feelings and that's an infinite well. I could keep, I could keep dig going into that well and keep feeling things. It's, um, it's a pain point, it's a wound and it's there, right? So I've, I've felt it, but there's a, a recognition I had recently that these feelings often throughout the day are just a neural pathway addiction. It's just like a free-floating thought that's an invitation to go down and to feel bad for no reason. Um, and that it was time to reach for higher ground in this part of my process. And so in my practice of resourcing myself, right, I was drawn to how do I feed my life force? How do I feed life? Like how do I give myself more energy and I would have these very profound experiences of being, um, feeling like I was building my auric strength and then those familiar kind of thoughts or patterns would come up and just kind of not get through the fortress. Um, and then what I noticed additionally was that none of this was really about ignoring or repressing material, but it was just about finding the resource to actually alchemize what I need to alchemize. Um, and since I created that boundary and pointed my attention towards serving my life force so that I could have more energy, I've been pointed to deeper parts of myself to actually honor and sit with, as opposed to the, to the distractions. There's also something to be said about, you know, when we think about the quality of creating like a, a beautiful life, um, there is a dimension of kind of going into the difficult material or healing, if you will. And then there's also the dimension of creation and of our relationship with beauty and our relationship with enjoyment. And that at times 
when we get too kind of addicted to always being on the healing journey, always fixing something, we actually aren't giving ourselves the nutrients to, um, you know, have the kind of life that you think you're creating for yourself when you're like healing and working with your shit all of the time. Uh, it just, there comes a time for that kind of balance. So that may be some of what the Libra south node is also kind of surfacing is like a new way of considering balance and showing us where there are imbalances so i would say that this current astrology suggests that some deep old and painful material is surfacing and it's requiring us to find the resource to engage the alchemical process to me this means a holistic good life is not actually absent of pain or suffering but we actually just cultivate the resource in terms of pleasure, enjoyment, celebration, connection, holding, so that the energy can move, right? So we have this full moon in Taurus conjunct Jupiter lit by a sun in Scorpio. So there's something about the, um, the alchemy yielding some kind of deeper life-opening perspective, the possibility for it at least. I think sometimes this is as simple as like lighting some candles and journaling or doing a practice of some kind instead of like collapsing into a numbing or coping behavior, right? Creating some space, some ceremony, some beauty. The sun in Scorpio is a season, Scorpio season, you know, for facing our depths and deepest feelings and the full moon in Taurus is just the urge to give that alchemical process a beautiful container that dignifies it. And then lastly, my advice would be to connect with the basic truth that we are organisms sharing a planet, that there are many mutually beneficial relationships that exist in nature where beings collaborate to not only survive but to thrive. We all share the vulnerability of being temporary incarnate creatures who need things to survive, right? But the path of opening here, opening our heart here and being creative about how we participate in the energy exchange, right? How we participate in being a fleshy organism creature, um, how we incarnate love into our lives and into our relations is the spiritual dimension to consider. Right? So the philosophy, Jupiter, of Moon and Taurus, like what does it mean to be alive? And that there is this very earthy terrestrial dynamic of being alive in which we need resources, we need to eat, we need things to live. And that necessitates our workings in the world, right? Whether we feel directly connected to service, right, inside of our work in the world, or if we're struggling in that sense and feel like, you know, we're kind of doing this thing for money, but it doesn't feel, you know, and where, where there's space to, to find service in whatever, whatever area of life or whatever multiple areas of life, right, that we are creatures that you know, Taurus on the one hand represents self-reliance, but in reality, nothing survives on its own. We're interconnected and interdependent. So there's just, I think, a profound 
ultimate tenderness and vulnerability about that kind of aliveness, this way that we need things and we also need to collaborate to survive. So what does it look like to really consider that not just inside of idealism, right, about if things were different, but the way things are at the moment in the complexity and raw mess, perhaps of your own life, how do you create the good life that can be shared? Right? How do you participate in the energetic ecosystem? How does your tending to the love and to the value of life emanate through you? How do we let the grief keep our hearts open and remind us of the value of life? How does that point us back to a type of inspired tending to life that creates at our own scale the kind of ripple effect through the collective, through our community, in our own lives of that kind of amplification of love? I really encourage you to, to let this be something that you sit with and to connect with the places where grief or with the types of pain that's surfacing or the humility that eclipse seasons tend to induce, where that material can open you to a recognition of the ways that you do value and serve life. So I'll leave it at that and ask you again to please like this video and to leave a comment. Um, let me know what resonated with you, what your prayers are during this time, if you feel like sharing. And um, if you are looking to study astrology in depth, um, I am offering my signature evolutionary astrology intensive. And this time it's now inside of an expanded new container diviner, which um, host new classes year-round. Um, this is in service to cultivating your astrological literacy, to cultivating your oracle um, inside of an interactive community space. And Diviner is open to alumni of the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive, people who've studied with me in the past. Um, and then it's specifically open right now um, for a new cohort that will begin October 30th and you'll be initiated through the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive into the foundational building blocks of the language of evolutionary astrology so that you can really make it your own, right? That you can connect with it from your own perceptions and experiences um, and to really map it very uniquely to your own life, these wisdom teachings, these archetypes, and to learn um, in a pretty structured way during this intensive to like how to put it together in terms of reading a natal chart from the perspective of the soul's evolution. And inside of Diviner, so you have that intensive which initiates new cohort and is now why I'm welcoming new people into Diviner. Um, but year round, there's new classes inside of Diviner that are more advanced and assume 
you know, the knowledge that you have from the intensive and then we get to workshop it and go deeper and really cultivate your practice and your self-awareness and awakening process through astrology. So I'm going to leave the link for that in the notes. Um, The application will be open through October 25th. Um, Feel free to send me an email, sabrina at monarchastrology.com if you have any particular questions um, about if this course is right for you. And if you know it's right for you, go ahead and apply. We'll get on a call um, and I would love to talk with you about it and welcome you into Diviner. So I'm going to leave it here. Thank you so much for watching. Um, I really appreciate you being here and I'll see you again soon. Thank you.